So if you could be here around nine, that would be great. Okay. Well, listen here. Hello, and welcome to 90 Day Fiance Okay. I'm Mr. O, and today, Ms. H and I will be discussing Season 7, Tell All Part 3 of Happily Ever After. In this episode, everyone thinks Usman is a scammer, Jenny and Submit make a lot of headway into being undisowned, the script is flipped as Bilal baby proposes to Shida, Ed continues to suck all the joy out of every room, and Angela loses it over production's lodging arrangements. As always, we'll end with our Students of the Week, Class Dances, and Life Lessons. If you also watch Love After Lockup, you should listen to our other channel, Love After Lockup UK, where we are covering the new season of Love After Lockup. All right, thanks for listening. Stay safe and enjoy. Hello, Mr. O. Hello, Miss H. How are you today on this fine Martin Luther King holiday? Uh, it's a day off, so I'm doing good. That's yeah. all. It's always, always right? a good thing. Not, not on a real day off, not one of those days off where I still have to work all day. Like a good uh, day off. I- I have to work all day, I feel like, uh, other than this. But I mean, at least I'm doing it in Maui, at least for the first half of the day. But uh, yeah. here for a friend's wedding. Um, but I have to grade because it's the end of the semester. So Yeah, I have to do that in two weeks. So that, like, in two weeks episode, it's going to be like, how's it going, Mr. O? And I'll be like, grading. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so let's start off with eh, a couple that we didn't hear from officially this time, but kind of had some holdover from last episode. That's Libby and Andre. So after everybody kind of confronts Ed in the in the holdover from last week, the, the other cast members kind of start to talk to Andre about his issues. So Jovi does apologize for calling him a manipulator at the bar when they were like drunk the night before, but they all agree that he should probably put a little bit more effort into at least being able to maintain civility with her fam- with Libby's family because whether or not he wants to have a relationship with her family, she clearly does. So except – I say everybody. Andre was pretty receptive to it until Ed – unless Ed said anything and then he was like, no, you yeah. shut up. I'm not listening to you. <laughs> Which uh, – As you should. As you should. Yeah. So Joe, Joby still maintains with his mission to get Andre to see that he's part of the problem too. Um, so – but then Andre kind of brings up how, hey, I'm already kind of doing that. And he brings up the conversation he had backstage with Ed, Becky that ended in hugs. So he feels like she is the most reasonable of the family and he's – so he's willing to work with her. So but on the next – yeah. The next day though, um, the only thing we kind of hear from them before the show is how everybody's kind of jealous that Andre is done and now he can shit talk everybody else without them being able to come back at him when it's his turn. <laughs> so – but he doesn't end up doing that all too much. Um, so, I mean, did we really get anything else out of here? It seems like we did seem to kind of see a change of heart in Andre that we started with with Becky last time. He kind of is maybe seeing things a little bit differently. Yeah. I mean, it's progress. I think that if he has a relationship with the sisters, the sisters are never going to fully cut off Charlie. I mean, they might have periods of time where – You know, they need space from him. But I think collectively, if he really ends up as good with the sisters as let's say he even is with Chuck right now, that Mm -hmm. he will eventually come around to making somewhat of a civil effort with Charlie. I don't think him and Charlie are ever going to be close, but I think they can at least be in the same room with one another at some point without them like verbally attacking each other. Yeah, I mean, that's pretty much the goal here is to get to the point where they can be like, 
mm-hmm, hey, Merry Christmas, all right, Merry Christmas, and then or never say another word to each other. Ignore each other's existence. I feel like is an appropriate option too. Like, yeah, I'm like, yeah, it's just, just they could be. They, it could even be like one room is the Andre room, and one room is the Charlie room, and they never have to cross. <laughs> yeah. Never do they have to cross paths. Like, right? Yeah, I just feel like they could ignore each other's existence. Like. You know, don't even say hi to him. Don't even, you know, if the conversation turns to them, it's like, just, you know, tune it out. Don't contribute. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Fine. I mean, I, I feel like we all have certain dynamics that are like that. And Andre can learn to do that just like everybody else can. <laughs> right. Right. All right. Uh, so let's uh, move on to Angela and Michael. So Sean brings up Jovi's digging for Michael's Instagram. So they confront Michael about it, and Michael denies it's his. Angela believes that, you know, it's not exactly him because of how things are said or worded on the captions and the comments, but she does believe that maybe one of his friends is running his account for him. But he's such a liar that no one's ever going to know. Sean then hints that Michael and Usman may be in the same hotel room, which prompts the rest of the cast to joke, that they could hang out, which does not make Angela happy. Angela doesn't want Michael hanging out with Usman because she believes that Usman's a bad influence. And Usman believes that Angela is controlling and he isn't afraid to say it. Usman says that Angela was the one who came out of the gate hard, calling him a scammer for no reason the first time that they met. He says that he will not allow anyone to talk to him like that. And Michael tries to get Usman to stop and tries to get them to change the subject. They're on a break uh, from, you know, the tell-all, and Angela calls Michael but asks him to take off his mic. She tells Michael that she's not happy that him and Usman are in the same hotel, and Michael tries to make all kinds of excuses. Angela goes back to the green room venting that she doesn't want Michael in the same hotel as Usman. And Kim says that she had no idea that they were, you know, in the same building. Back in Lagos, uh, Michael says that he's met up with Usman in the past. And Michael says that he wants peace. So he needs to work things out with Usman. Usman goes to find or sorry, Michael goes to find Usman to talk to him, but, you know, then we kind of leave it on a cliffhanger. Okay, do you really think it's that terrible that Michael and Usman hang out? No, it's it's, it's absurd because, like, she literally spent the night before hanging out with everybody else. Yeah. Right? And, like, this is the only person he has to hang out with because they're the only two that are in Nigeria. Like, right. it wouldn't It wouldn't surprise me if Michael was like, listen, Angela, told, production told me I had to hang out with Usman. Like, they need right. footage of the two of us hanging out. Like, we have to do it. Right? And that's the thing, too. Like, she was super mad that they were in the same building. Right. Like, how dare you be in the same building? Like, he didn't buy that hotel room. He didn't pick yeah. anything. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, do you agree with Angela's concerns? Because she's so concerned that Michael feels somewhat empowered by hanging out with Usman to – you know, be one with his super fans and possibly take things too far. I mean, so that's also kind of like a a, a, a dig at Kim, right? Like, yeah. oh, I see. You're going to treat me like you treat – like he, my husband's going to treat me like Usman treats you and that's unacceptable. Like you should – I couldn't deal with that. Um, you're weak for taking it, right? Basically is what yeah. it sounds like. And I don't – I don't know. Like is anybody going to – is hanging out with Big Ed going to make Angela more of a liar? I don't know. Like, how are you talking about? Like, he's his own person with his own personality. That doesn't mean right. like he's going to be – she just 
it's just like if he's so easily influenced, then why do you want to be with him? If he has yeah. no personality that he can't – he's just not influenced by everyone who is around him. I don't I don't understand having that little um, ah, you know, belief in my partner. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I, here's the here's the thing that gets me about uh, about them being in the same place, right? Mm-hmm. I feel like when I watch CNN or I watch, mm-hmm. you know, uh, PBS or I watch the news, I'm watching the news, right? They'll have mm-hmm. people in the most like ridiculous locations in war zones, right? In the middle of Afghanistan, we're in a in you know Ukraine in the middle of a war zone. Things are going on, and they have these feeds that are crystal clear HD feeds. <laughs> That are live on the news. I'm like, why can the news do this? And when we get to this show, it's like a vertical picture of Usman glitching out like all the time. Like, (laughs) I feel like we can do better on this live feed with all the money they have. Yeah, maybe they just don't have that kind of equipment. Maybe everything is over, you know, their internet and it's reliant on the internet. Yeah, I just, to me, it just makes it look like, are you just trying to make Nigeria look bad? Like, oh, know. this is all we got. This is the best internet in Nigeria. Glitchy, glitch, glitch. <laughs> delay, yeah. delay, like lagging glitch. Like, that's what we got. And especially because, like, Usman's in the room, like, a little like, across the hall from Michael. As we like, saw him, he's like, he's like, better. Michael's is still bad. It's like, I'm very confused by how this whole thing yeah, works. Yeah, based on their backgrounds, like, uh, you know, that they were, you know, speaking in front of, I would never have guessed they were in the same building. It wasn't matching at all. No, but it, I mean, when we kind of get, when we kind of see the Angela, you know, confronting Michael, and we see him get up and stuff. It's basically just a blanket that they have hung from the wall behind right. him. That's the background. Oh yeah, right? yeah, yeah, for sure. Which but- also, why did Angela make Michael turn off his microphone so that she can call him on camera? And we still I heard know, everything he said. Right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Very I don't know. All right. So those are the people we kind of hit up. Um, Short wise, and then we had the couples that we actually get to focus on today. Well, mostly. And the first one I want to talk about is Jenny and Samit, even though they were the last ones we talked about on the episode. So Jenny hopes she hopes she hopes that she goes first, actually, before the show starts. But they don't. They go like third, fourth, or whatever. So they aren't together. Um, and this is the most time they spent apart in three years. So Sean starts by asking if they're codependent and they're both like, yeah, you know, he does everything for me and he can't be happy without her there. And they like smile and say they are codependent as if it was a good thing. So then they show us some recaps of Summit's plan to adopt a child to appease his parents. So Jenny doesn't have any idea where this idea came from and it's certainly a non-starter with her. So he doesn't know – she doesn't know why he even threw it out there. But she says he probably didn't even mean it. He just – he kind of says to his family whatever they want to hear. It's going to you know get them closer to being in their good graces. He more or less confirms this theory and straight up tells Ed like when Ed asks, well, do you want a baby? He says, no, I don't want one. That was a lie to my family. To uh, I was lying to my family and not to Jenny when I was talking about not wanting babies. But Ed doesn't believe him. So Yara says that he might want kids but yeah, maybe he's afraid of her reaction both in India and right now. So they move on after just kind of a little bit of back and forth about the baby stuff. So what they do move on to is um, a remote with uh, his father, Anil, his brother, Amit, and his sister-in-law, Shri. So his mom was unwilling to join the conversation. So Shri says that as far as, you know, 
her and her husband Amit and Jenny and Samit goes, they're getting along better. They're at least in a place where they're not like shunned from them. They can be together, the four of them. But their mom and dad are right now still in the same place where, you know, nobody talk, nobody, not even talk, nobody, Samit does not get to see us. So Anil says, eh, it's not really true that they're completely shunned because his mom is willing to talk sometimes gently and sweetly to Samit. <laughs> so Sean asks why she didn't want to participate today then and it's still because she cannot accept the relationship. So they, they revisit the last tell-all where Samit was supposed to tell them that, the, that him, he and Jenny were married but totally chickens out when the parents were like, no, we wouldn't accept it and we would disown him. He was like, oh, you don't, don't want to say anything. So the family says that they were shocked that Samit kept the marriage from his family, which made the whole situation worse and made his mom feel betrayed. But they also say – so I, I'm taking what they say with a grain of salt because they also say that had they – had mom known about the wedding, she wouldn't have tried to stop it since their family is all rational people. Samit <laughs> though is kind of on my side. He's imagining that if his mom knew about the wedding, that she would show up and grab him by the ear and take him away. <laughs> so, yeah. So he says that now things are – now that things are finished and, uh, you know, the marriage is done, he just wants acceptance. So Sean then asks Anil, uh, you know, after this has been – they've been married for a year now, does he finally accept and bless this marriage? So she asks him like three different ways in three different times and he just like sits there in silence. It's awkward silence. So Samit chimes in to say that he's never going to get up, give up getting their blessing. And then Anil finally speaks up to say that – he gives his blessing because – basically because, well, there's nothing I can do about it now. So <laughs> yes, blessing. So this is thrilling news to, Je to Jenny though. Shri and Samit also – Shri and Anil – I mean Amit also say they accept Jenny. But she still can't be invited to any family events because the family events are organized by mom who is still pretty far away from accepting everything. And they don't anticipate she ever will. So Jenny's okay with that situation because it's more or less what she was – more or less the best that she could have expected. Like you won't disown your son anymore even if I'm not invited. She's like, fine. I won't go. So Samit will go to the family things without her. So even though Jenny's okay with it, some of the other cast members still have things to say about it. Libby thinks it's ridiculous that she wouldn't be invited and Ed thinks it's unacceptable to – of Samit to visit any place without her, without her spouse you, because Ed himself – was willing to throw his mom to into the garbage so he could I be with know, Liz. I know, right? Ed, you idiot. <laughs> so that's what everyone should do. Usman said, gives a foreigner's perspective, mostly about how important it is that there be no friction between children and their parents, which comports with his story. So Kim says, you know, they should just keep going and stick with it because she never thought she'd get Usman's mom's blessing, but she did. So they go to the – then they talk about the visa conversation where Jenny wanted uh, Samit to come to America and Jenny has not yet filed for Samit's visa, which she says she won't do until he actually agrees that he wants to come to America. Uh, he doesn't want to come – and they ask him about that and he said he's willing to visit America but has no intention of ever wanting to come permanently. All right. So all that said, are you surprised that – Samit's dad um, relented and accepted the marriage or whatever? I actually am kind of surprised. I mean, I always kind of suspected a little bit that, you know, with um, the parents that they were just doing it for a storyline and they were kind of in on it and mm -hmm. they, you know, uh, weren't giving their blessing because it was part of it. But then magically at the end of the season, they would just have their blessing, right? 
But the fact that mom stopped appearing on the show kind of made me feel like maybe this isn't as scripted as I thought it was. And maybe they genuinely are not blessing this marriage. So just because mom didn't show up, that was why it surprised me that dad is uh, now blessing it. But yeah, it's good for them. And I mean, I'm happy they got to that place. And I mean, to Jenny's credit, she doesn't want to go to those family things anyway. They right, make her she uncomfortable. <laughs> so, right, or she want to go so mom can yell at me about my right. cleanliness? I'm not doing that. I'd rather right. not go. Thanks. This so is it's great. like if that's like, you know, the worst of it, it's like, well, it seems like a win-win on everybody's part. Yeah, I mean, I was a little surprised that I didn't – I thought the parents would be a united front. Like they yes. would both accept it or they would both continue to reject it. And right. that just seems like kind of like weird. Like is he now going to try to convince his wife to try the thing? And is he like, well, I accept it. Or is he just like hiding behind her and be like, sorry, guys, can't do anything. I think it's <laughs> fine. But your damn mom hmm, can't do anything about that where he really would rather not accept it. But now he doesn't have to not accept it because right. mom's willing to be the hard ass, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's hard to say because it's like uh, I thought they were more of a patriarchal, uh, you know, structure where but I mean, there's lots of situations where it's like the women really wear the pants, you know? Oh, what they, yeah. What do they keep saying? Oh, they, they, that's what the Nigerian one. The Nigerian ones that keep saying the the head, the man is the head and the woman's the neck. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. So, uh, you know, you never know. You never know. Yeah, because I mean, even within cultures, like even if it's culturally like that, it's almost like that's the cultural image of it. But that's not necessarily how it is. But behind closed doors, yes, yeah, for sure, mm. for sure. I mean, and but we got like, I mean, was it too? It just made me also feel like the the other storylines here were more or less fake because they were both like, oh yeah, no, that's not happening. Like the baby and the visa, right? They're like, let's right. visit the baby situation. There was no argument, and uh, it, so it was just like, yeah, no, there's not going to be a baby. Like, no, <laughs> done. Yeah, but also I can kind of just see. Submit just saying crap like that because he's really just trying to throw everything in. Like, how can I make things better, baby? Yes, I will throw that in. Is it are, are we yeah. forgiven? Are we blessed? Oh, and then it was like, and when the answer's no, not really, it's like, all right, I rescind, baby. What else yeah, can I give let's, you? Let's, let's go on with the next thing. <laughs> let's yeah. go with the next thing, right? Yeah. Speaking of the next thing and babies, let's talk talk Bilal and Shida. So Shida tells Yara that Yara has prepared her to confront Bilal about the issues in their relationship. Shida thinks that Ed will come after her the next day because he's called her a gold digger in the past. Yara assures her that no matter what, she has her back. On the set, Shida says that she is ready to get murdered today because she's really feeling the heat. We revisit the nine-month ultimatum that Shida had given Bilal, and Bilal says that they've kind of been trying for a baby. They've tried a couple of times. Everyone is surprised that Bilal conceded. Bilal uh, says that seeing how emotional she was over the issue helped put things in perspective. We then see a never-before-seen clip about going to an herbalist for fertility reasons. Bilal then says he hasn't had sex or masturbated for years, so he gets mm. herbs for his prostate. The herbalist then talks about edging to get more volume. Bilal was definitely uncomfortable with all the questions and this whole conversation. Bilal says he's got buildup, so he doesn't need to edge. 
Now that Bilal is on board, it seems that Shida may have changed her mind. Shida says she just doesn't want to put too much focus on baby making. Instead, she wants to focus on her business and herself. Shida has been excited about the kind of opportunities that have come up with her business. She then brings up concerns that Bilal is keeping finances separate and he's not even open to opening a joint account. Bilal says that Shida doesn't hold on to money long. Shida says she doesn't even know how much he makes, which surprises almost everyone on stage. Libby says that marriage means total transparency. And Shida feels like Bilal doesn't trust her. And why would she want a baby with someone who doesn't trust her? Bilal says that he wants to teach her how to be good with money, but he doesn't Mm. want to be accused of lecturing again. Shida tells us how cheap Bilal is, making her sneak in snacks at the movies. And then Ed defends Bilal, saying that Shida does need to be taught about money. And Yara says that she's an adult. She doesn't need to be taught anything. Shida says that Bilal mansplains everything. We then get a special guest, a friend we have never heard about, mentioned, (laughs) or referred to before. And I even question how well he actually knows Bilal. I I thought he was at the wedding. He wasn't at the wedding? I think he was at the wedding. Oh, well, I think we saw him at the wedding. Well, good for that. So it's uh, <laughs> Bilal's friend for over 20 years, Chris. The reason why I say that is because Chris's whole segment was really just speaking generically, nothing specific about Bilal and Shida. Chris says that Bilal has a good sense of humor, but then Shida brings up, you know, the, the prank, the infamous prank where Bilal pretends to be poor. Chris defends Bilal's mansplaining, saying that, why shouldn't she want to learn something? And then we bring in Utris, Shida's friend. Utris then comes on and tells us that she thinks that Bilal micromanages and he's not transparent about anything. Utris says that Shida is willing to learn, just maybe there's an issue with the methodology in which Bilal is trying to teach her. Chris then gets weirdly fired up trying to defend <laughs> Bilal and men everywhere. And men. Men, all men, he's defending. Men everywhere. I was like, what is happening right now? And then, of course, Ed, idiot Ed, defends Chris and Bilal. Sean then asks about Utris's plan to make an oopsie baby. And Bilal says, that's messed up. Ed then says, you don't play around with pregnancy. And even Kim says, yeah, that's shady. Chris thinks that Utris shouldn't be giving advice when she doesn't even have a husband. Chris thinks that Utris, because she's single, is trying to sabotage their relationship with her advice. The women on stage respectfully tell Utris that maybe that advice wasn't good. Shida says that the baby will wait, and Bilal says that they fought last time that they were in New York, and he wants this time to be better. So even though Shida says the baby will wait, he decides to get down on one knee with a baby onesie, asking if she will have a baby with him. Shida cries and gets really excited after that. And she says that, yes, this asking, this formal proposing of a baby changes the timeline and she wants to try. And she hopes that she gets pregnant very soon. And then Chris chimes in with, well, Christopher is a great baby's middle name. Mm-hmm. All right, so uh, out of if you're Team Chris or Team Utris, <laughs> oh, that's that's 
Okay, that's very good evidence that just because one person is wrong doesn't mean the other person in the argument is right. <laughs> You're like team nobody. Team nobody. Like it's it's team like men should control all the money versus team women should trick men into getting them pregnant. These are both <laughs> okay, so who is bad worse teams then? to be on. Okay, so which one's worse if we're going to propose it that way? I mean, definitely I, I don't know. I I I think Oh man, I was actually okay with Chris Christopher when he was talking about their situation specifically. When mm-hmm. he was talking specifically, ball, he's got a particular sense of humor that isn't mine, but yeah. it is a sense of humor um, that you have to get along with. But then as soon as he's like, "I'm defending all men," like it, and the thing is, is like the the defenders of all men, like the people you see online that are kind of the same thing. They yeah. always are super misogynistic. Women are just after our money and they want to take our shit, and they're not going to even give us a proper <laughs> due where we belong at the head. If they're going to take our shit, they should at least admit that we're at the top of the food chain. Like they're, they're these kind of people, right? But one of the things they super do is they also think that you got to be careful with women because they'll trick you into getting and trick you into getting them pregnant, and then you're stuck with them, and they've got you by the balls. And it's like, and and then then we have Utrus who was like, yes, that is what I would do. <laughs> I would trick you into getting me pregnant. <laughs> it's like, no, well, none of you, you are know, all awful. It just was weird to me, and it really, really just like turned me off of Chris as soon as Utrus got on. All of a sudden. He it was like he switched. He dialed it up. Like he was real angry and like on a mission to defend men. And I'm like, what just happened? Yeah, that was as soon as yeah, I'm with you. As soon as as soon as Christopher switched to I'm defending all men, I was like, yeah. oh no, this is bad. <laughs> this is not good. Please don't speak for me, Christopher. No. <laughs> Because the things he was defending at the time, it was before the pregnancy came up, was like, yeah, the men should control the finances. And why does she need to see them at all? Like, yeah. it's like, um, because your partners, like, they were very much like, and they just have this weird thing of like, the man should be the leader, the yes. woman should be the follower, and that's the way it's supposed to be. And like, now these women want to not be the follower and also take men's money. And it's like, this is, no, this is just misogynistic bullshit that you're spouting out from the internet or whatever. Yeah. It does make me wonder a little bit if this is like a religious thing on their part. Like if uh, Chris and Bilal are friends because they're uh, both the same religion, they're um, all Muslim. Right. Uh, But if that's like a maybe religious thing, and I'm not even saying specific to Muslim because I think other religions kind of... Oh, there's certain certain sects of Christianity that have the same idea. Husbands are the head of the household because that was in the Bible kind of like... uh, you know, philosophies. So I wonder a little bit if it's religion that's like kind of like backing them up and supporting. Well, like it's definitely not, it's definitely not backing up Ed for supporting the same thing. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> but okay. So there's a couple of other things that came up and it was funny because he was like, what it seems like is, is Bilal definitely took to heart that he shouldn't lecture Shida. So that's he switched. Good. So he switched pedagogical methods and wants her to use self-discovery instead. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and too bad like discovery is like still – and it sucks though because discovery – he's not really even letting her discover really because he's using that as like uh, a reward for learning, right? You get the joint bank account if you learn. 
But yes. it's like, but then she's not learning according to but, you. I mean, so and she'll he never does get the reward. The thing is, it, 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 he teaches, he treats her, and that's where it comes down to with the tea, with the teaching. Is yeah. he's treating her like she's a child. I do that to my kids yes. all the time. Well, if we bought three of these jars and it's three for five, well, how much are we paying for each jar? Like you do that things when you're at the grocery store, right? You right. use those teachable moments when you're at the for your children, not yeah. for your partner, like, right? Right, and it's like that. That's the same thing. Just tell her, and I can see where you. There's obviously things that he has that he knows that she doesn't that he can teach her. And that's true of literally every relationship, right? Right. Every relationship you're in, you know different things. Each person has something to learn from the other person. And that's fantastic and that's great. I love learning. But as an adult, I get to decide what I want to learn Mm -hmm. um, and not have you decide that I get to learn something for me, right? And if it was, if I was like, how much – like she mentioned that. How much is that house? He's like, well – how many square feet do you think it is? Well, oh my gosh, much, I know. You, if you would just say, well, it's like you know, it's three thousand square feet. It's going to be like twelve thirty-four per square foot. So it's probably about this much. He where he explains his process to it, right? Right. Because because I feel like it kind of made me feel think about. Um, we've talked about you know your exes and stuff, but your there was one that you have is like the worst person ever because oh, I God. felt like he did this all the time. Like he was like, well, yeah. uh, you need to know this. I you don't know this well it it must be my job to teach this to you you yeah. must know these things that I know and it's like that's annoying as hell and belittling oh yeah for sure because it's like they treat you like you don't know anything and maybe you don't know that specific thing but that means it's not that you don't know nothing right right and it's it's you're not you're still in a partnership and any kind of partner forget relationship if i go into business with somebody we have different areas of expertise we have things to learn from each other right Mm -hmm. it's not like one is the student and one is the master right right? whereas Bilal is like i am the master and you are the student and and when you learn enough instead of be giving a black belt you will be given access to a joint bank account (laughs) right (laughs) yeah Yeah. it's like exactly how are you assessing this person Right. And then it goes between the other thing that I just – I could not get over when we read it. Okay. So when we got to it is the edging thing, right? Oh, gosh. There is no way Andre was the only person on stage who knew what that was. Yeah. That was really weird. Maybe it's that they hadn't heard it called that specifically before. Possible. But then they were all like, what? Why would you – how would this even – why would okay, people do that? Like, yeah. It was like – I mean I could see how maybe they haven't tried it before. Yeah, yes. I that, Yes. I, I certainly can understand people who have been like, I've heard of that. That sounds not fun and I didn't do it. Like, But yeah, I just I, – it, For it just, sure. Uh, what's his face? Summit has heard of it because they went to yeah. that tantric sex <laughs> workshop during their season. So – Right, it just it, it just that it, it's one of those pet peeves I have of the tell-alls <laughs> is when something like that comes up that is like just the the different the varied shade of vanilla. Right, it's not <laughs> it's not vanilla sex, but it's like just we just added just a little bit of chocolate syrup or something, just a little bit of flavor, and everybody's like, "What? Who has ever <laughs> heard of anything like this?" And you're like, "Come on, guys! Like we know you either the lamest person imaginable or you're all pretending." <laughs> yeah very uncomfortable all right <laughs> i was like i don't like this i mean the whole now granted the, the herbal guy very uncomfortable like yeah. one like and and part of it i don't know part of what made him uncomfortable is like the way they were kind of speaking in code is i was like right. i i just i i feel like 
putting me in that situation, you wouldn't want it on camera because I was like, oh, this is what we're doing. We're making each other feel uncomfortable. I <laughs> I will tell you exactly what's going on then, buddy. Oh, God. Oh, goodness. <laughs> oh, so we do get more of that. So let's, you ready to go to the next one? Yeah. All right. Let's go to, let's go to Kim and Usman then. All right. So we do get a little bit of a preview about you know what's going to go on. We see Kim talking to Liz the night before at the bar. So Liz is worried about how things are going to go tomorrow, and she's worried that something new is going to come out. You know that Usman is done, and that she's going to go all Tasmanian devil on the studio if that does happen. So when they get to the studio, when they get to the studio in the morning, Kim tells us that she she is the one that broke up with him, and she's ready for all the fires is going to come her way. So we, when they finally, when day two finally starts, we get, we'll talk about it later. We get through Ed's apologies to everybody and we get to them. So we start by asking about their relationship status and Kim says they're done and they're done for good, even though she still loves them and they still talk and text all the time. Usman says uh, that he, he still loves her too, but things just didn't work out and they had to give up. So he says that the thing that was the deal breaker and made things not work was the issue of him having a child, which they just couldn't find a solution for. So they're both pretty clear that it was Kim that ended things over the issue. So they bring out Jamal and they get him to say some stuff backstage about how he thinks Usman was a psycho guilt tripping Kim and he's hoping that she can see it, setting the stage for some possible fireworks. Then they introduce him and this is the part that bothered me about the tell-all because Mm -hmm. after they introduce him, a minute and 24 seconds later and a commercial break in the middle, we finally hear him talk. <laughs> <laughs> so he answers the first question. They ask like, what did, what, did, what did you want to say anything to Usman? So basically he tells Usman, I told you so. I knew you would break up and look at it. So Jamal knows that it was Kim officially that ended things, but that's only because Usman didn't want to pull the trigger and kind of just guilt tripped her until she finally was the one to call it. So he thinks that Usman only cared about the things that Kim could give him and then refuses to engage when Usman starts uh, yelling uh, – when Usman starts yelling fast talk over. You know, Usman does that thing where he starts talking really fast. Yeah. Um, like, oh, and you didn't do this. So he refuses to engage. Um, he is just like, why are you always talking over me? So Ed brings up what he calls the elephant in the room. That Usman comes off as an opportunist that is using this situation to promote his music career. But Usman said, I wouldn't spend three years on this if it was a scam. But Andre actually agrees with Ed and calls Usman a scammer too. But Kim wants to step up and defend him, but saying that, you know, they weren't there for everything. You didn't see our private moments, five in the morning in bed. And they asked Jamal what they think of his intent, what Usman's intentions were. And he starts off by, you know, how he only. How, you know, Usman kind of mistreated her, first off, even how the relationship started, how he wouldn't even agree or made her a potential after she was completely head over heels in love with him. So he like kind of like, I already know I have this fish on the hook and now we'll think about maybe we want a relationship. So anyway, once it was no risk. So and once that happened, he could ask a lot out of her. So Usman starts yelling about the child again, like, it's not her fault she cannot give me child – and Jamal says, stop talking over me. <laughs> so he thinks that Osman is only here to play his mom and to stay relevant. And basically everybody on stage agrees. So, well, everybody but Kim. She sees – she says she's seen too much and if he could act that well for that long, he'd be an Oscar winner after all their private moments. So Jenny and Shida then kind of speak up with basically the same point. Uh, this guy clearly cares for you but he's not interested in you being his wife or being romantically involved with you. So – Usman counters this by saying, 
but we have sex. How can you have sex with someone you don't love? A sentiment that gets chuckles out of everyone on stage. <laughs> like Sean, everybody is just holding back uh, giggles at the idea that you cannot have sex with someone you don't love. So he sticks with his guns here. And then Sean points out, well, if that's the case, then how would you be able to make a baby with this second wife that you wanted? You know, especially because you would have to love her too, right? He says, yeah, definitely. Even though it seems like he repeatedly promised Kim that she would get all of the love in the relationship. So he says, you just don't understand how, how we do things here. You can't understand unless you experience Northern Nigeria. So we get shown again his meeting with the potential second wife, Faraday. This is the first time Kim has seen this and she gets really upset that they exchange numbers. So when the when the recap ends, Usman just again starts yelling about the child and you don't understand, blah, 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 until even Liz tells him to shut up. And like Liz, well, I guess she tells Ed to shut up a lot. So, you know, we hear that. So Sean asks Usman if he ever reached out to Faradit and instead of answering, he tells us the story about why he got met her in the first place. So Kim says that in this relationship, she had to prove herself over and over and over again, but she's done doing that. Then he goes through what he had to do to prove himself, like saying he's sorry when he wasn't even wrong. And Kim says that there's no chance of rekindling this relationship, but she'll always be there to support him and she'll always be a super fan. Uh, she actually breaks up talking about it and think, and then gets a big hug from Jamal before they dismiss him from the stage. So backstage, she feels like things didn't go like she wanted. They don't really know Usman, but she's glad her part was over. And she was you know, really hurt that they thought that Usman didn't love her. So that's what we got out of there. So um, I feel like this was kind of the pile on Usman show. And I don't I don't know that he did anything to redeem himself. I don't I think it didn't go so well for him. What do you think? Um, yeah, I don't know. I feel like Usman is, it doesn't help that he kind of got really fired up at the end, you know? It's like, that's Mm -hmm. not helping your case. And also his uh, excuses, I guess, or reasons were definitely shot down by everyone. Like, everyone just laughed at him when it was like, well, I had sex with her, so obviously I love her. And they're just kind of like, uh, and then it really started to unravel when he was like defending. Well, they started having the debate whether or not he would impregnate a second wife and mm-hmm. what that meant. And so I just really feel like he, he was just, I don't think he really understands his argument. And so it was definitely not coming across as. I don't know, in his yeah. favor, logically I mean, I def- speaking at least. I mean, if I was giving him the most generous interpretation is that they just kind of have – when he says love and wherever it comes from, his culture, wherever, he just means something completely different than what everybody yeah. on stage means when they say that, right? Yeah. Like most of the people on stage kind of take love for granted as being a – you're allowed to love one person and you have to mm-hmm. be completely in love with them. And that means – and he was just like, well – you know, yeah, whereas like I think he definitely – I think he means like love means, well, I was, you know, willing to have sex with them. That's love, mm-hmm. right? That counts. So I wanted I, – I cared about them enough that I wanted to have a physical relationship with them. That must be love. Like yeah. – and I don't know if that's a cultural thing or if that's just him playing dumb. Yeah, I, I don't know because it is weird to me like just – how he views sex in general, right? Mm-hmm. So it's 
that at first it was like, well, I can only have marital relations, right? And we're going to assume that you're in love with the person that you have marital relations. But then he seemed to be like, well, I don't want to lose Kim, so I'm going to have sex with her. And it's like, but is that because you didn't want to lose her or because you actually loved her? Right. And now you're going to have sex for the sole purpose of procreation with someone else does that mean you love her or you're trying to have a baby you know so it's just i don't know it's just not consistent it seems like why he wants to have sex and so it just i don't know i just feel like he can't use that as a reason for anything right it's fine if that's what you believe and i'm i'm sure it's fine it's probably one of those fluid things where Maybe there's different motivations for different situations, but you can't say that that's the reason why you weren't scamming. No, and that, that that's just to me. It's just every time he does it, it comes off as ridiculous because yeah. it's like, especially the way the Western way of framing how right. sex works in a relationship, right? Yeah. Where which is usually the guy wants it, right? Yeah, the guy wants yeah. the sex, and this in this case we saw definitely it was certainly her that was pushing for it more than him, right? Sure, sure. Um, but it's kind of like, yeah, like how could I be scamming her? She gave me $5. Like <laughs> she gave me money. That means I can't be like, it's, you know what I'm saying? It's like ridiculous to be like, I couldn't be scamming her because I got an additional thing out of this relationship. <laughs> it's like, right. That doesn't make any sense. Like, yes, you could be scamming her. Yes. Sex could be part of the scam. You're getting right. something bonus out of that. Like it just, and, and, and that's why kind of like the way he always frames it like that is went in my head because the way I think about that is he was like, listen, I had sex with you when I didn't want to. Yeah. I didn't want to have sex with you, but I did anyway. And so that was my compromise in the relationship. And mm. I think he takes that as a, oh, I wanted it to be part of my religion. It should have been part of marriage. It should have been part of that, blah, 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 blah. But in my head, I always just heard because you're too ugly to have sex with. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, right? you should be so lucky. Who's scamming who? Yeah. yeah, exactly. Like who's getting the hotter person in this relationship? It's you. Obviously, you're the scammer. Um, but it just – yeah, it fell apart. And then everything just came down to him screaming about like she can't give me a baby. And I don't know that – and we – especially because we move on from that. We're like, yeah, she couldn't. That's why she broke up with you because you right. kept yelling about her not being able to give you a baby. So you can't count that as a sacrifice or anything anymore because I, you know, they always went to that sacrifice Olympics. Yeah. But I mean, I really like the Jamal response was always like, why are you yelling? Why are you <laughs> yelling over me? Yeah. I mean, Jamal has that way just in general. We saw it when he was visiting himself. Like he tries to calm Usman down. He definitely seems to be more level-headed um, than everyone else in their segments. So, yeah, that doesn't surprise yeah. me. No, not at all. Not at all. All right. Uh, I guess not so surprising either is Ed's behavior. So let's kind <laughs> yeah. of wrap it up with them. So Angela comes in. Remember, she came in hot, marching up to Ed, but it ends up that she just came in hot to have a heart-to-heart with Ed and ask him, what's he doing? Andre backs her up and says what he did was wrong. Angela comes at it by saying, you know, he's a good guy, but what he's doing to Liz is wrong. Ed says he doesn't know how to be in a relationship, and Angela says that means he needs to not be in a relationship and just leave her alone. Jovi tells him to talk to her and be real with her, but don't talk to her like he has been. 
you know, that's disrespectful. And Ed defends himself saying that he only does that when he feels cornered and people are ganging up on him. Bilal gives Ed some advice on how to just apologize and accept when he's being told off. Meanwhile, the women are listening to Liz and telling her that Ed was acting like it was everyone else's fault. Liz says that there's a side to Ed that people just don't see. And Kim says that she believes it because she also thinks that people don't know Usman the way that she does. Bilal was told by Ed that Liz has taken some low blows talking about his manhood. And he relayed that information to Shida, trying to let her know that Ed isn't the only one who says shit in that relationship. Ed comes back to set the day after, saying he needs to clean up his mess, and he may not ever give Liz the ring back. He tells the rest of the cast that he apologized to Liz last night, but he also wanted to apologize to all of them. But immediately, Kim interrupts him to say that his apology was fake as fuck. And Ed goes on the defense immediately. They have a back and forth about owning their own shit. And then uh, Shida says that in order to get loyalty, he needs to give loyalty. But then Ed defends himself, saying that Liz basically kicked him when he was down. They wonder where Liz is, and Ed doesn't know because he wants to give her his, her space. Liz says that she's had time to process what happened yesterday, and now she's pissed. Pissed that Ed is denying his dating app activity, and it became about his feelings, and once she gets upset and cries, he accuses her of performing. On set, Sean opens the tell-all, and Liz says that Ed's apology was half-assed, and he denies it, and they haven't talked since. Angela says that a sorry should be from a sincere place, that means he'll never do it again, and Ed claims that he was sorry. At the break, Liz shows everyone that she is wearing a meaningless ring on her finger because it feels naked without her engagement ring. Ed then tries to defend his apology from the day before, and Liz says that she has a right to feel her hurt. He then tries to defend his actions, and Liz says that he needs to own up to his actions like talking to Rose the day before proposing to her. She walks out, and Ed just doesn't like that, and Jenny says that Liz has the right to be upset, so just let her go. Ed then lashes out at Jenny, and they both say that the other's relationship just doesn't make sense. Ed denies that he was on a dating app, but uh, Ed jumps on Jenny, saying that she's rude, and then everyone jumps in to defend Jenny as she also walks out. Shida goes to talk to Liz and says that she needs to teach him to treat her right. Liz says that they won't make any progress until Ed owns up to what he's done. Liz then pulls up receipts to prove her side. She shows Shida and Kim his profile that was active two hours ago. Ed asks to see it and then throws out excuses like, it's not him. He made that profile a year and a half ago. He doesn't have access to it, etc., etc., etc. And then he says that she can't prove it, uh, but then he's unwilling to actually go get his laptop when she requests it to kind of see if it's on his computer to begin with. All right. So do you think Ed's behavior has improved at all? No, no. <laughs> Ed is just, Ed is just, yeah, he's always pretending. And, and I, I said this last time when, when he, when he said something to um, Liz about like, uh, you're performing and it's like, no, that's telling on yourself. It's projection. Ed's performing. Yeah. He's always performing. Um, he never actually seriously, um, internalizes anything anybody tells him 
as much as he just like, okay, put this in the bank to figure out like how I can manipulate the conversation next time. Um, that's, that's all he does. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, cause we see him here using, um, well, the one that's, but the, the one at the end was the one that got me right. Not like it all got me. He's just an asshole all the time. But yeah. there were two things specifically that really like upset me. One of them was, um, at the end there with the, but they caught him with the dating app. Right. He used what, what's known as kettle logic. Have you ever heard of kettle logic? <laughs> All right. Kettle logic is it, – it, it comes from a story where somebody you, – you loaned a kettle to somebody and they returned it and it was broken, right? And you're like, uh-huh. dude, you broke my kettle, right? And they give you three reasons why that can't be true. One, I returned it and it wasn't broken. Two, it was already broken when you gave it to me. And three, <laughs> I never even borrowed your kettle, right? Right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right? They're all things that like – those all three – all the excuses you gave can't all be true. Like they're, right. they're canceling each other out. Yeah. Right? He just started throwing out all these reasons and I'm just like, what the heck is going on? Like first you're basically denying it's you. Then you're like, oh, it is me. But that was from a year and a half ago. And then it's like, oh, that is me. But I can't even get in. I don't even know. Oh, it wasn't me. It wasn't me at all. It wasn't me. I can't get into that account, which Butch is a year and a half old that I did mine. And like, so he's, I mean, he's just, he's just, a, it, it, at no point is he ever, like I said, he's just, he's just, he, he's just trying to grab onto everything he has to, to yeah. manipulate people. And like, and, and another example, the other example, the second thing that bothered me is when he like yelled at Jenny for no reason. Yeah. Jenny was like, said something, said something that was, comp- I forget exactly what she, she said. Just but said it was, she just said to him, you're rude. Or, yeah. No, no, no. She didn't even say that. He said that to he her. Said he said that she was rude. Her. Yeah. It's like she said something that was like, wow, you're really not handling this situation well or something. Well, well you just stop, just stop, just stop. You're being oh, really no. rude. You're being rude. She said, rude oh, you, Liz has the right to be upset. That's all she said. Because Liz walked yes. out and he was like, oh, and she was like, well, let her be upset. Like she's, you know, let her, like it's her right to. And then he jumps on her for that. And I'm just like. But he jumped on her for, again, for things that didn't make sense. Like, right. because oh, you're being rude. She wasn't rude. Like whatever she was, it wasn't – you might say that's none of your business or something like that and I have a thing. But like to say that was rude, you you need to apologize to me for being rude to me. And she's like, what are you even talking about? I wasn't even rude to you. I said it like the nicest thing, especially for somebody like him who steps out of his lane repeatedly. All the time. All the time. And he always does it for like just the most like ridiculous reasons. Yes, that man is right that the man should control all the money. Yes, oh you gosh. are. Yes, that thing you just said about how you don't want babies must be a lie. Like nobody else said it was a lie to submit. Like he just is coming out of nowhere for everybody. But anybody comes even remotely to him, and he's he's. Oh, there's a third thing that bothered me the most about him that I noticed <laughs> yeah. this time. At the beginning, when he was yelling at Kim, yeah, he was facing away from her. Like he wouldn't even look at her. He was like yelling at her the whole time, like looking directly away from her. Like she was behind him and he was just like talking to the space in front of him. It was so weird. Yeah, but he's been doing that this whole tell-all. Like even when he's on the couch, he's like like head up, like not even just eyes up, head up looking at the ceiling when he's talking to anyone. Like yes. even Liz, who's sitting right next to him, he can't yes, even I'm, look at her. And I'm, I'm surprised that pe- I'm surprised that somebody hasn't said, "Why aren't you looking at me when you're talking to me?" Right. 
I'm surprised someone hasn't said that to him yet. Yeah. Like, and I mean, I get it because I think he has a bit of like a lazy eye. So maybe he's like, you know. Okay, but this isn't a lazy. But it's like he's not even turned towards these anyone he's talking to. Yeah, which makes him look, I mean, as much as I know this is true for other reasons, he's a complete coward. Like he's confronting them without actually having to confront them. He doesn't have to look at them. He doesn't have to see their face. He's like, I'm going to, I'm going to say it's, it's the closest he can get on this stage to being an internet troll, which is all he is. Right. Right. Absolutely. All right. So, uh, out of everyone, who would you say is your student of the week? Uh, I gave it to, uh, Jamal just because Mm -hmm. I just want people to have more argument. Just when somebody yells over you, just stay calm and just be like, you keep yelling over me. I don't get to finish my thoughts. Like, end of the story. Because, and that's the way, and we and we can see that because we saw an angry person who got completely disarmed. And that's right. one of the first times we've seen somebody who, I'm going to take over the situation with anger and loud talking and yelling and drive it where I want it to go. And it did not go where he wanted it to go. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I actually went with Libby. Uh, you know, she, I know she's barely in it. She really is because, you know, she's pregnant and, you know, virtual, but she made a couple comments that were like mic drops. It's like, yeah, okay. So I was like, she positively contributed to this still. All right. All right. All right. What about your dunce? Uh, I went with Bilal. Um, Ed was taken. We, I did Ed last week. I just, I'm trying oh, to avoid saying Ed every week. Ed I, gonna, I did not Ed for the this time though. Okay. But so I went Bilal just for the, the, well, I, I don't lecture anymore. Instead, I try to teach my wife to <laughs> stop, man. Just stop. Stop trying to teach your wife things she doesn't want to learn. Right. I went Bilal adjacent, Chris. It's like, this yeah. is the guy you want to defend you and be on your side. I was like, no. Oh my God. <laughs> Random person. men's rights things getting red pill stuff getting yelled at <laughs> yeah, on stage. We like, don't need it. I don't know, yeah. Bilal. I don't think you want this guy's a reflection of you. <laughs> I don't think that's the look you're going for. Of course, Ed was all in. Ed was like, yeah, this guy. I sub- I'm, I'm going to subscribe to his newsletter. This guy's great. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I know. Okay. Oh, what about your life lesson? All right. So it, it's important to recognize before flying off the handle, as we all, as is, you know, this show, what is and is out of the person's control, right? Mm-hmm. And this this goes beyond relationships. A lot of times they're yelling at a clerk because something's not available. It's like that's not in their control. You have to, can't be mad at somebody for something that isn't even in their control. Like Michael did not pick his hotel and he did not purposely pick the same hotel as Usman. Right, right. Yeah. Okay. So uh, my life lesson kind of goes for a lot of these because it's almost like uh, they started alliances with one another. Like, I got your back. I got your back. I got your back. I'm going to defend you. And it's like, you shouldn't either make that promise to someone or you should maybe reframe what the definition of I got your back is. I think it's perfectly appropriate to support someone else and like emotionally be there for them. But I don't think it means that you should be fighting someone else's fight because I feel like that's kind of what started happening. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like they would say before the actual onset, they'd be like, I got your back, like Bilal and Ed, Ed saying, I got your back. But then Ed's like jumping in trying to, you know, fight Bilal's fight for him. And it's just like, no, that's not your place to do that. Well, and especially because I don't know, I, I, I've watched I've watched a show enough. Again, the people on stage haven't that yeah. you know you haven't seen all of their scenes, and you right. know they're going to like throw something out there that may be like, yeah, I, I can't get your back for that one, buddy. Right. <laughs> like that, but Ed yeah. will blindly defend. He doesn't care. He's 
practice it on himself, like defending the things that are undefendable. Because he doesn't he, – whether things are right or wrong doesn't matter to Ed. Right. Whether yeah, yeah. he wins or loses is important to Ed, but what's right and what's wrong doesn't matter. Right. Loyalty. You have to defend yeah. someone even if they are wrong. Yeah. yeah. That's as, even if they thing. wronged you as we saw last time. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he demands loyalty. <laughs> yeah. All right. All right. So we still got one more. One more of these things, but we but we've visited every couple. So I'm uh, yes. I don't know if we're just going to have more backstage drama. If there's like going to be gonna an extra have more thing. Ed and Liz spillover. Oh, I will say one <sighs> yeah, thing. Yeah, they really sucked up all the oxygen. Oh in the room. my, they really did. But after all that said and done, I think they're still together. Yeah. So I, that some, doesn't surprise me at all. Right. Someone <laughs> uh, posted a picture of them pretty recently of them walking in Old Town together like holding hands and i think it was just over the weekend it's just like no why are these people still together it's just and at some point like as much as we hate ed and ed's the worst like at some point it's like no liz this is your fault now like you oh, well i've said it's her fault for yeah. a while but you know yeah you've you, i mean it's not even now herself. but i mean it gets worse every time and it's like well right. if you keep i i, I don't know what to i don't know what to say i don't know what to like, and, that, and that seems like where all their family ended up it's like i yeah. don't know what to deal with and then that's they end up alone and then it's it's oh, it's tough yeah yeah all right well we will be back this time next week to cover uh the season finale all right see everybody then okay until okay. then all right bye, bye.